This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to my virtual cool kids table. Started this podcast five and a half years ago so that I personally could have access to some really smart people who are doing cool things. And we've never stopped. Over 550 episodes later, uh, we're still going strong. And I always look forward to bringing you interesting people. And today is one of those. I met our guest just a couple of days ago. You know, uh, this is being recorded in the early phases of the whole quarantine around coronavirus. And I belong to a group of speakers and coaches and consultants. And somebody posted a thing saying, hey, If anybody wants to talk, this is what I do. I help people unpack ideas. And I have been practicing since the first week of quarantine, my idea that I talk to one smart person every single day because I'm not going to find the answers to this new world all by myself. And I'm not kidding myself that there's some changes and some shifting and some ideas needed to be able to keep moving forward. And so I was introduced to her through that offer. I took her up on it and we laughed for the entire half hour call that we had. And at the end of the call, I said, this has to be an episode of cool things entrepreneurs do. So Karen Wright is an executive coach who what she does is she helps build better bosses. Now, a lot of you who listen to the show, you want to leave your corporate job because your boss sucks. They should hire her because if they worked with her, you'd want to stay forever because they wouldn't suck. But not all of your bosses will find their way to Karen. So some of you will want to jump out on your own. And uh, so she runs an executive coaching company. We'll talk a little bit about what that means. Uh, She's also a Canadian, which if you want to just be stereotypical, and I'll tell you what, we live in a world where you shouldn't be stereotypical, but Canadians are all nice. And she has advanced this stereotype to a brand new level. So Karen Wright, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. So I don't read the bios that like your fancy PR people send me. So I need you to go back a little bit. Tell us about the early days of your career, how it progressed, and what led you to launch out on your own to start 
Parachute Executive Coaching. That is your company. How'd you get that? That is my company. So I think it's worthwhile noting that I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. My father had a hardware store and a bike shop. My mother had a little retail store. There, Nobody worked in big companies and had big corporate jobs. And so that uh, was just not, you know, that was not the frame that I had. Uh, I graduated university, went to business school. And when you graduate from business school, you get a big corporate job. That's just what happens. Duh. And the people, I mean, that's, right. Duh, and the people who don't are kind of weird. <clears throat> yeah. Well, especially, so, <laughs> especially back then, because right. if you went to business school and wanted to become an entrepreneur, they looked at you like, what? We don't know what that is. Nowadays, people go to business school to do their own thing, but not, well, not business schools try to teach entrepreneurship, which is a whole other conversation. <laughs> but, but at the time, you know, when you went to business school and you got an MBA, you got a big corporate job. So I went and got a big corporate job. And from the beginning, it felt odd. I'm not going to lie. I was in consumer packaged goods marketing. I worked on, at one point, somebody characterized my CPG career as being a specialist in the grazing habits of the North American male, Hmm. in that I worked on chocolate bars, chewing gum, chips, and beer. Well, that sounds like my diet. (laughs) You and lots of other people, which kept us in business a really long time. Um, so yeah, so I got this big corporate job and I had this fantastic corporate career and, you know, the fact that it was unfamiliar, notwithstanding, I liked it. And I was working for Frito-Lay at this, the awesome, point, this awesome company, sure. awesome company, awesome company. And I loved what I was doing. And the particular thing I was interested in with Frito-Lay was that they had this whole international division. And so right from the beginning, I just said, I want to move internationally. And so Frito-Lay came to me at one point and they said, great, we're going to move you internationally. And I said, super, where am I going? Envisioning Paris or Johannesburg or Tokyo or something. And they said, Dallas, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) And I I mean, I realize Canada is its own country, but going to the United States, I mean, that's like, if you live in Toronto, that's like a Saturday afternoon. That's not an international job change. Right, exactly. And so it was explained to me that in order to move into the international organization, I needed to do some time in head office and build my reputation and build all the right relationships. And that all sounded perfectly logical. And for the person from the smaller country and the smaller, you know, regional business unit, Frito-Lay Dallas, Texas was a giant machine. And I very quickly got lost. Uh, I had four bosses in eight months, nobody guiding me, no one shepherding my career, no clear mandate. And it just very quickly became evident that it wasn't working out. So while I loved my marketing career and loved working for Frito-Lay, I just got to this inflection point where I had to make a decision. And to their credit, they offered to move me back to Canada. But at that point, the big jobs were taken and I feel like I I felt like I'd sort of outgrown that and had done that. So I, I chose to resign and I moved back home and there was this giant gaping hole where my career used to be. And I couldn't think of another company that would be as interesting or fit as well as that one. And so I Or supply you with all the free Fritos you could eat. Yeah, well, or Cool Ranch Doritos, whatever your pleasure is. Um, So yeah, many perks, many benefits. And uh, I just, you know, couldn't envision another company that would feel like that was as good a fit as that one. And I started looking for other ideas. And right at that moment in time, this new thing called coaching started bubbling up. And it appealed to me and I couldn't really envision why, but I thought, you know what, surely I have a marketing career behind me. I was a specialist in new product and new business development. Surely that's useful. Uh, I know what it's like to start a business. I've seen my parents do that. 
So maybe I should try this coaching thing. And, and, and how long ago was that? Yeah, a really long time. You're going to make me say that? You're sure. going to make me come right out and say Absolutely. How years. long have you been doing your own thing? 23 years. Wow. That you Were you 12 when you worked for Frito-Lay? Yes, exactly. <laughs> very, very, very young. So, um, yeah. So, I, I took a leap. And I guess for someone who had grown up in an entrepreneurial environment, it didn't feel like as big a leap as it might for someone else. But certainly, given that I'd had a dozen or so years in nice, big structured corporate environments, you know, there was a little bit of uncertainty about it. But but that was the moment I saw this thing called coaching, something instinctive in me said that looks really interesting. And then it occurred to me, oh, if I'd had a coach, maybe I wouldn't have had to quit my job. Ah. So there was a little bit of, oh, maybe there's greater good involved here. Nice. And I jumped in, took a training course and have never looked back. Wow. So so now that you've been doing this for over 20 years, what do you love about the entrepreneurial life? First and foremost, I love coaching. And up until recently, you couldn't do coaching any other way than entrepreneurially. So I kind of backed into the entrepreneurial life. But as I said before, entrepreneurial life is familiar to me. So that was okay. Um, But I think over time, what I've come to understand is that I get to create something that can have impact on the world the way I want it to, you know, aligned with a set of values that are mine that are important to me. And I can pivot it. I can morph it as I need to as time goes on. I can take advantage of opportunities. I can involve other people. And I can build a business that I know is really helping others. So there's just there's great joy in all of that. And then underlying all of that, I've been a single parent to two men now. But I mean, I've been a single parent for most of my kids' lives. And this particular business has allowed me to be able to do that and still put a roof over our heads and feed them. And they eat a lot. Yeah. I imagine, I imagine two boys in their early twenties, they, they ate a lot when they were at home. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So so it's not just you. A lot of executive coaches are a one man shop. You actually have a coaching company. Parachute executing executive coaching is more than, than, than just Karen. So tell us about the company now. Well, early on in my coaching career, I was a solo practitioner. And because my network was business-based, I quickly got some corporate clients. And I got a phone call one day from a woman who was an HR leader in one of the big telecom companies where I was doing a little bit of work. And she said, we've given you a couple of clients. And they were not easy people. They were some of our tougher customers. (laughs) And you're getting good results. And I said, thank you. And she said, well, you're getting better results than the other coaches we have working in here. So we have an idea. And I said, what's that? And she said, well, if you could go get some more coaches and teach them to coach the way you coach, we'd like to give you more business. Wow. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> I, know. I said, okay. Yeah. My answer to questions like that are yes. Yes, exactly. And so, but, but what that forced me to do was to figure out why what I was doing was different and how to find the people that were likely to do this work the way I was doing it. And so I was able to come up with some guidelines for finding these other coaches and bring them on board. And there, you know, there were a few mistakes along the way, not going <laughs> to lie. Um, but that was really the, the doorway. That was the impetus to creating the associate-based business. So right then and there, I brought on, I think, three associates 
And they got very busy very quickly. And then over time, we've just grown. And so now I've got about a dozen people that I keep quite busy and then a network of people I tap as the need arises. See, that's that's awesome. I know uh, I've done a little bit of coaching. Usually it's people who call me and they're like, I need to work with you. And I try to talk them out of it and send them to my other friends who do that for a living. And they're like, no, we'd like to work with you. Uh, And I like doing it. But to really do it as your full time job. You have to be really organized because you're doing back to back. You have to be able to shift gears. I tend to not like to work with one or more people that I'm responsible at a time. I, I don't think I could have parented like 10 kids like my grandparents. Two kids were great. They were very different. I was able to keep them in line. But the third kid could have changed everything. I don't know. Um, so for people like you who have a full schedule of people, people you coach and then managing people who will go out and do that under your umbrella, meaning they have to match your standards and all that, you must have a lot of balls in the air all the time. Uh, the parenting thing someone once described to me is the difference between a man-to-man and a zone defense. <laughs> and so if you if you morph that into the, the business environment, I have a spectacular virtual assistant. I have a great accountant. I have good software and, you know, plans and things that help me kind of manage the admin side of things. But I mostly I have a team of coaches who are incredibly mature, incredibly good at what they do, and just grateful that I hand them business. So from a management perspective, they don't require a ton of sort of day-to-day handholding. And that for any solo opener, and a lot of coaches are that, and uh, it's the hardest part is the getting the business. I mean, I've made my living for 11 years as a speaker and a master of ceremonies at, at conferences inside companies and for associations. And I always tell people I'm a salesperson first. And so for a lot of coaches, I know that's the problem. They're, they have great minds. They can see things for people, but it's how do you drum up the business? And so having someone like you who's drumming up the business and giving it to them, they must be very grateful if they're smart. They are very grateful and they are that smart. <laughs> and you're right. Coaching is a business that is populated with people who love to help and really don't like to market or sell. And so thankfully, that's where the consumer packaged goods background, you know, I mean, I've got a degree in marketing and a dozen years being a professional marketer. So I was, I like to say when I came into coaching, I was at the right place at the right time with the absolutely right skill set. Nice, nice. So I assume that you have coached a bunch of people in their careers who have decided either then or later to go start their own thing, whatever that is, to go their own direction. So the people who listen to the show, for the most part, are either newer entrepreneurs or they're people who have a job who think, I want to do what she or he are doing. I want to carve my own path. So what advice do you have for people who want to go their own way entrepreneurially? First and foremost, to never, ever, ever do it for the money, because that may be an offshoot of what you do, but you can't be guaranteed that. And if you don't love what you're doing, you'll never make money at it. God, that is such good advice. I mean, in this day of, of coronavirus, I, I know a few people who are who are wealthy enough that they can, but because people can't meet their fees and this and that, they're like, yeah, I'm just not, I'm not lowering my fee. I'm not doing it. My my take has been, I'll speak for $1.95 and a chicken dinner, even if it's sitting in my office talking into a microphone. I love what I do and I would do it if I won the lottery tomorrow, I would speak for 100 nonprofits a year, you know, for free if if I didn't need money. So I think you're right. Uh, You can't do it for the money. And the other thing is the money can dry up. You know, my business evaporated for the short term Mm -hmm. when we went to quarantine and live meetings stopped. Uh, And you have to be ready for that if you're an entrepreneur because there's nobody helping you. Yes, and... I think that your demeanor is evident. The reason why you're doing something is evident. And so my business was fine through the 2008, 2009 downturn. I hope and 
I'm reasonably confident that we'll be fine through this situation. And I think in large part, that's because our intentions are good. We love this work. We love helping the people. We know there's value in what we do. We know that there's a ripple effect. When I'm coaching a leader of a big company, the decisions they're making and the way they're conducting themselves has an impact on a lot of other people. So, you know, we've got that higher purpose. And for me, that wins the day every time. So the first piece of advice is don't do it for the money. Have that higher purpose. Choose choose a path that you want to be on. I, I say at the end of the show, make sure your ladder's against the right wall. Don't right. Cl- don't climb a career ladder to get to the top and go, uh-oh. Uh, mm-hmm. What would another piece of advice be for someone who wants to be an entrepreneur? Don't try and do it alone. So make sure that you know what your strengths are and then bolt on the other things that you need, whether it's sales, whether it's admin, whether it's, you know, whatever, given your particular interest, um, don't try and do all the things all the time. I mean, every entrepreneur has to bootstrap at the beginning, but to have a vision of here's my lane, here's what I'm brilliant at, and here's where I need help. You know, that willingness to ask for help, I think is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. So I could ask you a billion questions because you're really smart and and you know how to help people. I should just turn this into a personal coaching session. So my next question is, what advice do you have for the person who is already an entrepreneur who suddenly in the face of what has happened the last few weeks or by the time this airs last few months uh, with the coronavirus and quarantine and business stopping and layoffs, someone who's already out there wearing that entrepreneurial hat who's like, "Uh oh, it's evaporated. What advice do you have for them to navigate this? I think the first thing that anybody has to do is to stop and think, what's my work in this? Because I've seen a whole lot of people try and move really, really quickly and push something out the door because they think there's an opportunity or because they're panicked about making some money. And I get the panic about money. There's no, there's a, there's reality there. But I think to just take a breath and say, what do I do well? And how can I shift what I do in a way that might be meaningful and, and useful? in this time? And are there people I can partner up with? Can I can I collaborate with some people? So maybe we can come together and create something that's useful in this environment. I have no issue with people selling in this environment. That's business has to go on. Um, but I do think that we have to think about how we sell differently. And philosophically, I think part of what's going on right now is that we are being called to interact with each other as humans differently. So more collaboration might be a good thing. I've made the comment that when this is over, I've been interviewed on a few uh, podcasts and I've been on a few kind of live panels with podcasters and speakers and people have asked, what do you think is going to come out of this? And and I, I said, and this is, they've, there've been industry questions, but specifically bigger esoteric questions. And my answer is, I hope we could walk out the other side with a little less focus on the Kardashians and a little more focus on humanity. Uh, and somebody told me after I said that, they go, that is beautiful. I'm, I'm not picking on the Kardashians. I'm just talking about our celebrity focused world. But uh, afterwards, they said, uh, that's such an honorable thing. But give us six weeks back to normal and we'll be back into the celebrity focused world. Oh, man. Uh, you know, I I suspect you're right, but I hope you're not. Right. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So I, but I, I think all of us need to read the room. And so, some, you know, I've seen celebrity posts recently that are clearly not reading the room. And there is an environment now and, uh, and an emotional kind of sense right now that if you're tone deaf, it, it, you know, your message isn't going to land well. There's no question. 
Well, and, and I heard somebody say this, and I've been repeating it. Uh, I don't know who where it originated, but it was that, you know, helping is the new selling. And so I agree that business goes on and, and selling is okay, but you also have to be willing to help. And you're a perfect example. You posted in that group that we belong to, hey, I have this executive coaching skill set. Is there anyone on here, you know, who would like to just talk? And that led, you know, me to meeting you. And I think you're freaking awesome. And I, I tell the whole world, if you're looking for an executive coach, parachute is the way to go because you don't want to jump out of a plane without a parachute. So you need to talk to Karen. But I bet through that, You've had conversations with a lot of delightful people who, I mean, I'm not your target market. I'm a little solopreneur, but who knows who I know? I bet you've had conversations with a lot of people that have opened you up too. not just, hey, I'm here to help you. But I imagine you've talked to some really cool people through that offer. Some unbelievably cool people and in all walks of life and industries and with all backgrounds and with all different personal goals and agendas and visions for what they're creating in the world. And I think for me, so one of the things I believe in it's, is, yes, help, but help with some, I guess I'm going to call it structure. So I put that message into that particular group. I didn't put it in all the groups I'm in, and I put it in a time-bounded kind of way. I said, I'm going to open up, you know, 30-minute 30, 30 um, sessions for the next two weeks and jump in. And so I didn't do it forever. I didn't do it to everyone. I just, I chose my lane. I chose the way that I could serve in a really focused way. Um, and you're right. It's, it has opened up all kinds of great new relationships. It's been really, really fun. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, my, my other message I've tried to use throughout this whole thing is uh, more personal, less broadcast. I think these one-on-one -on -one conversations, whether it's through text or through direct message or being on zoom, like you and I are now, or like we did when we had our initial call, you get that human touch and you get to see who people are. And yet my inbox is filled. I've got never gotten more newsletters oh, than I've cool. gotten the last couple of weeks. And it's like ridiculous. It's like, wow, how did I get on so many mailing lists? I know I'm unsubscribing to a lot of stuff these days. Well, it, the bad news is some mornings I'm busy. So it's like just delete, 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 delete. When I have a little bit of time, it's unsubscribe, 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 unsubscribe. <laughs> right. Which, which in the long run will serve me better than simply deleting. <laughs> Deleting feels good, though. Boy, does it. <laughs> uh, so I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Karen Wright. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I mean, I know it, that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And I do say it sometimes, in all my years of business and every career I've had, they're the best vendor I've ever worked with. So, love Podfly. So Karen, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in business right now? We're doubling down on everything we're doing. We're doing what we do incredibly well, and we're doing lots and lots and lots of it. Um, so as an example, any executive who works with me or with any of my coaches has what some call the lifeline, some call it the all access pass, but basically it's a bat phone when, you know, if, if something's going crazy, they can call. 
And that's being tapped more and more often. So we are really just reaching out to all of our clients, just saying we are here. Doesn't matter when, doesn't matter for how long, just call. So we're just making ourselves available as a resource and not worrying about how many sessions do we have left on the docket or anything like that. So doubling down, I think, is probably the, the biggest thing we're doing right now. So obviously, without giving away any of the uh, confidentiality agreement type thing, what are some of the things you're hearing from some of these people who are picking up the bat phone going, Batman, help me? <sighs> um, how do I get out into my team, into my business community and keep the troops rallied without putting myself at risk, without putting my family at risk because I'm out there in the world? Um, how do I balance the fact that I'm solving huge problems and getting really excited about solving those huge problems with the fact that the only reason this is happening is because there's a terrible, terrible situation going on. Um, you know, people in logistics and supply chain, they have never been more adrenaline fueled than they are right now. Uh, and they're solving big problems. And on one level, they're enjoying it. But on the other level, it's like, but we shouldn't have to be doing this. Right. I, I um, talked to a person who, uh, She's an executive uh, consultant. I mean, she does large consulting projects, but she also teaches people how to create sort of online content. And mm. she goes, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. She goes, I'm really busy, both sides of her business, but the online, yeah. creating online content, everybody wants to create a course and do stuff like that. And so, you know, her, her online, she does live seminars. She's moved them online. They're all full. And mm. she goes, you know, I'm almost embarrassed. My business is way up. Uh, I have another friend who, who speaks on like, how do you deal with chaos? And people are reaching <laughs> out to her because that's been her topic. She didn't become, she didn't create a keynote on thriving in chaos last week. This is what she's been talking about for two years. So there are some people who, you know, what they do, poof, that's there. But there's others who are like, you know, how do we capitalize on this? And that's kind of like, mm, I think it's, I think there's a different line there. Yeah, I like the people who are thinking a little bit laterally about, you know, maybe there are things we can learn from other parts of the world or other parts of, of culture or business to that we can apply here. Maybe let's think a little bit differently than we, than we have typically tended to. Um, I'm also hearing a lot of really, really tired people already. We're, what, two or three weeks into this. And the people on whose shoulders the weight is sitting heaviest are already exhausted. Mm. And so a lot of what I'm doing is being an outlet for them, but also reminding them, you got to get some sleep. You've got to eat properly. You've got to get out and, you know, get a bit of fresh air. You've got to take care of yourself because you can't afford to go down. And at this rate, you're going to burn out. Mm. Yeah, no, that's that is that is true. That is that is very fascinating to me that, you know, we can't, you know, coronavirus aside, we can't just collapse from other exhaustion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We need these people. No. I, yeah, we sure do. So, Karen, I could talk to you about you and about your consulting or your coaching firm all day long. However, I love to ask the people who come on the show when they look out into the world of entrepreneurs who do they admire? Because here's the thing. Great entrepreneurs are observers. So when you look at the entrepreneurosphere, the world of entrepreneurship, who do you think, wow, she or he, they're doing the cool things? So that one, it's interesting because I first thought big and high profile and so on. And then I realized there's a woman that has become a good friend of mine. She's based in New York City. Her name is Emilia Zivostovskaya. She runs. Yeah, wow. Right. To, I, exactly. to become her friend, you have to learn how to pronounce that. <laughs> that is true. And she runs a, a business called the Flourishing Center. Amelia I love is, the word flourish. 
right? And Amelia is a positive psychology teacher. Her business is set up as a B Corp, a benefit corporation. And Amelia is one of the most generous people I have ever met. So she runs positive psychology certification courses and is creating a ripple in the world by equipping more people with the tools and teachings of positive psychology. And she set up a division of her business devoted to positive education. And she's taking the teaching into schools so teachers are better equipped to support students in a new way and help them thrive. And she's constantly doing fundraising things and random acts of kindness things. And she's just, she's, she's nonstop. She's got more energy than any 20 people you and I know, and is constantly thinking how she always, she's always asking herself, how do I take what I know and make the world a better place? So, and in fact, this week she's running a 30 day program. She started a program called uh, better in 30 days. And with the idea that hopefully the world is better in 30 days, but while we're waiting for that to happen, maybe each of us individually could be better in 30 days. She's running that program in the midst of having experienced a devastating personal tragedy herself, but she gets energy from serving and wow. she's serving a community of people and it's nurturing her. She's brilliant. Could you repeat her name and the name of her company, please? Uh, Emilia, E-M-I-L-I-Y-A. And if you uh, search for Emilia Z. Uh, and the Flourishing Center. I love that. I love the Flourishing Center. She sounds fascinating. Maybe she has to be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I think you would really enjoy her. Well, I love, I'm I'm all about positivity. I'm about, you know, I always say my my glass is half full and if my glass is is empty, it's just full of air. (laughs) Nice. So the last question I ask everybody is, is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think if you're fortunate and as entrepreneurs, we're often fortunate, I think it's more than just making money. And so I love to hear how people serve because it's giving isn't just money. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's good vibes. So what do you do? Well, a couple of things. I work with the TED organization through their fellows program, and I always coach a couple of TED fellows pro bono. And those are people who are creating something meaningful in the word world in technology or entertainment or science. Uh, and they are extraordinary individuals. So that is really, really rewarding work. Uh, I also make sure that I've got a couple of not-for-profit leaders on my personal client roster at all times. And we have a fee reduction plan that is that makes our services accessible to not-for-profits. And then I'm an entrepreneur in residence for the business school that I went to. So many years later, they introduced an entrepreneurship stream to the MBA program. And I act as an entrepreneur in residence for that program, advising some of the students as they come up with business ideas and present business plans in uh, in a competitive format, kind of Shark Tankish. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, that it's is, fun. Yeah, it's really fun. That is awesome. Well, Karen, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for sharing your time, your wisdom, your thoughts uh, with everybody who listened. Any last words? Thank you for what you're doing. I think that entrepreneurship is the engine of the economy, probably more so now than ever. And anything that supports entrepreneurs to get out there and be successful, I'm I'm happy to be part of. And so thank you for what you're doing. Awesome. Well, if someone's listening and they go, my boss needs to hire her or they need to hire you, how do they find you? The website is www.parachuteexecutivecoaching.com. The longest and- URL in history. In history, probably. Uh, and you only have to type it once. Yeah, because your computer so, yeah. will remember it. So it's parachuteexecutivecoaching.com? Correct. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much again for being here. And thank you to everybody who tuned in. I say it every episode. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we have a show? 
The idea behind it is to get people like Karen to come and share their thoughts, their ideas, their nuggets, their theories. We pick up the little pieces that work for us, run with them in our own businesses. So we're going to be back in a couple of days with somebody just as cool as Karen. And you're thinking, how is that possible? Well, it's possible. We always pull it off. But in the meantime, flex those entrepreneurial muscles. Get out there. Climb your career ladder, but make sure your ladder is against the right wall. Try some new things. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.